Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for June 2nd in the year of our Lord, 2022. This is indeed our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide and absolutely we're convinced. The checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the show. Yesterday, we had on James Edwards, well-known talk show host in his own right, his award-winning broadcast every Saturday evening, thepoliticalcesspool.org, and his goal, race, politics, and hypocrisy in the 21st century America, thepoliticalcesspool.org. Uh, you can listen to his show not only uh, on Saturday evenings live, but around the clock on demand at thepoliticalcesspool.org. We talked about that China got elected to the executive board of the World Health Organization. What a disaster that's going to be, ladies and gentlemen. No opposition from anybody. So they literally peddled the Coca-Corona, um, I would call it a bioweapon, and then they vaccine another bioweapon in answer to the first bioweapon. The Chinese covered it all up, and of course we just doubled down and let them become a executive board member of the who are you kidding me right now anyway the only one with guts to report on it uh, wnd.com the epic times a few others but the mainstream press not touching that one with a 10-foot pole we also talked about the fda new vaccinated people um more likely to contract covid more likely to die from the covid so that's kind of the interesting twist they just found out why because max mass vaccines they're having a trigger in spike of cases. Why? Because the spike protein gets in all of your body, all of your cells, and causes nothing but havoc. Researchers confirmed that the main damage from COVID is done by the spike protein, not the virus. So the question is, why are we injecting people uh, with the messenger capabilities, if you will? It's not even really a vaccine, but the messenger capability to tell your body to generate the spike protein. It's disaster, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, we talked about that. We talked about Soviet-style censorship is rising to a whole new level, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, the Department of Homeland Security is putting together the um, Ministry of what? Truth now? Yeah, and former Clinton lawyer Michael Sussman was found not guilty of lying to the FBI. What a shame that is. That was all in hour one. Hour two, we talked about the American Freedom Tours coming to you, Donald Trump and crew. Anyway, to me, it's a disaster. It's nothing but a big money scandal. Uh, you know what? People aren't going to come out of the, uh, uh, that great tour knowing a whole lot more about liberty. They're just going to rah, 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 rah. They're going to spend a bunch of money to meet Donald Trump or to meet and greet some of these, quote, star-studded people, they claim. I say, can you say extortion 45 is what I'm calling it. What a shame that is. We also talked about Mo Brooks got in a big old battle with Sandra Smith on Fox News Sunday where Mo stood up for the fact that there is vote fraud. And to say there's not is an absolute lie and uh, Mo did a great job from Alabama doubling down on that point and highlighting 2,000 mules and more uh, good for her so or I'm sorry good for him and uh, sorry for her she got kind of beat up on that uh, but she did her best again 
uh, to do her hit job as they always do on Fox and some of these mainstream networks. So shame, shame on Sandra and good for Mo. All right, that's a recap of yesterday's show. News the networks refuse to use starts now. And I've got a great show for you. We pulled out all the stops. Uh, I'm going to ask Cameron to skip all the breaks even, except for the bottom of the hour break, which I cannot skip radio stations up and down the line depend on that bottom of the hour break. But Cameron, skip the next breaks at the 17 and the 45. And we'll just go ahead and do this thing, shall we? So I got an email from a gentleman, and he emailed Richard Mack. But he CC'd me because I'm the vice president of operations of the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. His name is Nick Testacho. And Nick is a father, he's a veteran, and a concerned, deeply concerned parent. Uh, and uh, he has several que- he's a deeply concerned citizen as well. And he has several questions that he wants to ask Richard Mack and Sam Bushman from the CSPOA. And he basically got this big, long email, and he had several questions in the email. And so I read them, and I did my best to kind of respond to some of the questions a little bit. But then I thought, you know what? Uh, rather than just respond on the spot, it would be better for me to think about the questions. It would be better for Richard Mack to have a chance to respond as well. And then I thought, you know what? Nick has got good enough points, and his, his arguments, his views are well thought out to the point where I just said, you know what? What we ought to do is take this to the airwaves, Nick. Um, I think this would be very instructive for the audience. I could be a very good way for you to kind of articulate your views in a meaningful way because we have no desire to dismiss Nick's questions, no desire to ignore the points that he's bringing up whatsoever. And I know that might not seem like that, but we'll dig into it over the next couple of hours. And at the end of the day, you guys can be the judge of of, uh, how open and fair and transparent we are compared to most people. For example, as a talk show host, I doubt somebody as a talk show host would clear the deck for two hours, blow off half the commercials and say, all right, Nick, let's talk about this and openly discuss it. Uh, And I bring that up because I think that's one of the great beliefs I have is this First Amendment um, is really important. And the Second Amendment is designed to protect the first. There's no doubt about that reality check as well. So anyway, I bring that up to say that, hey, we want to be as transparent and and clear uh, as, as we possibly can. Uh, Nick, welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Thanks very much, Sam. I'm delighted to be on your show. Uh, I don't know if you recall, but you had invited me on uh, a couple of years ago, and we couldn't get the uh, scheduling uh, uh, correct. Uh, but uh, Well, we're repenting uh, now, I'm, sir. How's that? That's fine. That's terrific. Uh, I do want to note that uh, before I start reading the email I sent to uh, Sheriff Mack and yourself, uh, that I've written about 60 articles on this particular uh, topic. Uh, if you, if I can give a plug for the website sure. that they're Go right on, ahead, sir. RestoreTheRepublic.org. Uh, you okay. can get a more detailed explanation of uh, what I have to say on the particular topic. So uh, let me read the email. I'm not going to read uh, everything in it, but I'll go through most of it if that's okay with you. Okay, so um, I started out with utmost concern for the current state of the union I write. Let me preface by uh, my concerns and questions with the fact that I have copied others on this email and I am sure that they will be anxious to hear your response or that of Mr. Bushman and of course today they're going to get a complete response. The United States is a constitutional federal republic operating with specific delegated authorities and disabilities placed on both the federal and state government. All public officials under Article 6, Section 3 must swear an oath to support the Constitution. When the Constitution was written, there was considerable debate as to the wording. And if uh, I'm, I'm quoting a Supreme Court decision here, 
In expounding the Constitution of the United States, every word must have its due force and appropriate meaning, for it's evident from the whole instrument that no word was unnecessarily used or needlessly added. Okay, so I skip over to Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15, which says, uh, this is one of the authorities of Congress, to provide for calling forth a militia to execute the laws of the Union, suppress insurrections, and repel invasions. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 16, to provide for organizing, arming, and disciplining the militia and for governing such part of them as may be employed in the, in the service of the United States, reserving to the states respectively the appointment of the officers and the authority of training the militia according to the discipline prescribed by Congress. Uh, as ruled by the Supreme Court in the United States uh, versus Miller in 1939, with obvious purpose to assure the continuation and render possible the, the effectiveness of such forces, the declaration and guarantee of the Second Amendment were made. It must be interpreted and applied with that end in view. Uh, the history and development of our system of government and in adhering to the principles upon which a nation of, by, and for the people must rest clearly confirms that the framers placed militia in the original Constitution as a lawful entity with specifically enumerated authority. It is the law to which public officials must abide, abide and since it is stated as such, all of the agencies created by Congress usurp that power. The legal doctrine expressio unius est exclusio alterius prevents the legislature from proposing or enacting laws that would circumvent, obstruct, pervert, usurp, or contradict the rule as enumerated in the Constitution. Militia are state institutions, so the dismantling, dis, uh, disarming, or abandonment of that force presents significant obstacles to its current condition of morbidity. There are groups out there claiming such status, but they are not the lawful entity recognized by the Constitution, nor is the National Guard the militia as it is promulgated under Article 1, Section 8, Clause 3. No state shall, without the consent of Congress, keep troops or ships of war in time of peace. Uh, this all, briefly, this all uh, presents a, a legal entanglement uh, that the founders made because uh, you would have to uh, present three arguments, have them ratified, revo uh, revocate a, an unalienable right, and then you'd still have to look to the states because militia is, state institu is a state institution. As I expressed, I've uh, written uh, 60 articles on, on this. I've contacted uh, my representatives to the point that uh, sometimes I don't think they want to hear from me anymore on not only this but different uh, uh, different topics uh, and I, I, I have some uh, questions here I'll skip over to them uh, I don't know if you want to answer them one at a time but uh, we'll see with that I would ask why it is that your organization avoids the subject so clearly written into the Constitution why would you avoid, or it seems to me, disavow the words that come with the title constitutional? Why would you and the many sheriffs and others in the community not espouse and promote that which the Constitution clearly enumerates? 
What is it about the militia that most recoil at the law in this regard? Perhaps you or your organization that bears as part of, it, of its title constitution can provide me with a lucid explanation. With sincere regard for your stance on protecting our republic from what appears intentional destruction by a corrupt political structure, I am uh, yours. Um, I think we can uh, have a really good discussion on this and perhaps answer some uh, critical questions that we're facing right now. Absolutely. So take it away. And I certainly don't mind responding, and I, I don't mind answering the questions one at a time or separately. We can dig in and, and discuss in detail the questions as well. I'm not avoiding that. What I really wanted to do is give you a chance to speak and kind of art, articulate your, your whole point, the case, the summarizing uh, the email. The email was well written. It's detailed, ladies and gentlemen, and he's a prolific author. There's no doubt about it. RestoreTheRepublic.org is where you can find Nick Testachio's, um articles. RestoreTheRepublic.org. So check that out. And again, uh, I'm giving a plug for that because I have no desire to suppress anything, ladies and gentlemen. So Richard Mack responded to the question, and I'm going to just read his answer first. His answer is quite short. My answer is quite a bit longer. Uh, And so when we talk about the CSPOA, uh, it's kind of an interesting thing because you're talking about three entities. You're talking about Richard Mack, the CSPOA, and then Sam Bushman. Richard Mack is the founder and president of the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. I'm merely the operations director or the vice president of operations. Um, There's also a slight difference between what Richard kind of feels, what the CSPOA generally stands for, and what I feel like, too. So part of the answer has to do with what's Sam Bushman's mission, what's Richard Mack's mission, and what's the mission of the CSPOA in relation to all this, right? So I think that's fair to kind of create a little distinction there. Uh, not that I'm afraid to speak for the CSPOA or whatever. I'm just telling you that there's a, there's kind of a difference there. We all have our own opinions, but then organizations have policies and kind of standards and, and a focus as well. Remember, not only am I the CSPOA vice president of operations, but I'm also a nationally syndicated, well-known, been on the radio for a long time, 25-plus years talk show host. So I have opinions as well, which I'm entitled to. Uh, so there you have it. So here's what Richard Mack says in response to Nick's uh, email and questions. Nick, I am not going to get involved in this, except to tell you that we're not turning our back on the militia. My work and my calling is to focus on sheriffs and their duty to obey the Constitution and defend the God-given rights of the people. That's it. I will not deviate from that. I have said that there are two public officers with the authority to call out the militia the governor, and the sheriff. This, of course, does not exclude the commander-in-chief. So that means there's three. The reason that Richard separates it, now this is Sam Bushman kind of explaining here, is because really militias are state bodies, if you will, not federal bodies. Let's be very clear about the checks and balances that our founders put in place, wisely so. And so the reason Richard says two offices on the state level is the governor and the sheriff. And then he says, this does not exclude the commander-in-chief, meaning the United States does have a president who can call on the militia as well. Uh, And we can get into the details of that, but there you have it. He says, I am referring to state's offices. Just to set the record straight, RM or Richard Mack. So that was Richard's response. Nick, do you want to respond to his, uh, or do you want me to give my answer first? Uh, Well, I'll shortly respond to uh, him. Uh, Sure, go ahead, sir. The point I was making was that... uh, if you're going to be a constitutional uh, sheriff, you have to uh, 
uh, you have to apply it from every word in the Constitution. And the Constitution clearly recognizes that the only body in this nation with the authority to execute all the laws of the Union, not just the county that the sheriff lives in, is the militia. So the militia can be called up federally to execute laws in, in, uh, in different states, but primarily it, it is a state institution, as, as we already talked about. And its, its job is to maintain peace, civility, and to guarantee that all the laws, all the laws in the Union are properly applied and that everyone has uh, equal uh, rights under the law. So uh, essentially, it's a, to me, it's a critical aspect of our uh, laws of the Union. And uh, it, anyone, anywhere, I, I don't care what organization it is, and I'm, I'm going to just uh, make a, a point here about uh, taxation. A fellow by the name of uh, Bob Schultz uh, did a, um, a hunger strike on in the Capitol back in 2001 prior to, to uh, 9-11. Yeah, to set the record and, straight on this radio program, we've had Bob Schultz on with us plenty of times oh, in the great. past. God rest his soul. We are familiar with uh, his articulations. Uh, we've had uh, representatives on the radio that are co-hosts of mine that have gone to his Continental Congress uh, events in the past and everything else. Uh, and so God bless his soul. But I, I'm, I'm just telling you, we're very familiar with that, and we've kept up to speed on what he's done uh, in the past. Okay, well, I wasn't going to point to all that. The point I was making is he went to the NRA and he, and he told them, he said, listen, we can make a, an excellent argument to this federal government. We can attack them from two points. And I, he thought that would be extremely valid and extremely potent. Uh, but the NRA turned them down flat. They said, no, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And my point here is that I firmly believe that there's there's more than one way. Well, you've already said this. There's more than one way to do it. But if, if your organization has two ways, three ways even to do it, I think it needs to be applied to be effective, to really be effective, uh, especially in this point when you're talking about law enforcement. That's it, Sam. All right, I understand. So let me let me throw out my answer. So what Richard Mack is saying is, hey, you know what? I'm not turning my back on the militia one bit. However, my personal responsibility and my calling, I believe, before God, and I'm not trying to put words in Richard's mouth, I'm summarizing, but he's basically saying, you know, hey, am I calling by God and what I'm called to do and felt that I should work, do for America is to work with sheriffs and to work with the public and create a partnership between the public and their sheriffs to defend God-given rights. That's the only purpose of government at all, to defend God-given rights. Otherwise, there's no value in government at all. If it doesn't protect life, liberty, or property, there's no value in government. They just become tyrannical thugs. So Richard is just simply saying, hey, my goal is to work with sheriffs and work with the public and use my former law enforcement experience, uh, my uh, growth and knowledge over time in the Constitution, to work with these people and to help train sheriffs to understand their oaths, to help train sheriffs to really help them realize the importance of protecting God-given rights, not government mandates or edicts or privileges or anything else, but God-given inalienable rights. And my goal, and uh, Richard Mack is saying, is to help make this happen and to teach 
these sheriffs what due process of law is. Uh, you know what? When do you have due process when something happens? How do you make sure that you really get a, a fair shake? How do you, etc.? And so Richard's simply saying, look, I'm not turning my back on a militia, but this is my, my calling, my duty, my, my role. Now, I accept that on its face and say, you know what? I understand. And I believe that, for the most part, is the CSPOA's view as well, that, hey, um, we're not avoiding militias. We're not turning our backs on militias whatsoever. But the CSPOA has a general mission, which is to train. We have materials on our website, CSPOA.org, uh, and we have members, and we have a posse, which means you can call up or connect every week uh, on the posse and get Q&A from Richard Mack and myself and many other constitutional experts on how to best support your sheriff, how to make sure that he obeys his oath of office, how to make sure he carries out his responsibilities uh, and, is, and has absolute allegiance and fidelity to uh, the Constitution. So then the question would be, well, Sam, why don't you guys talk about militias? Why don't, why do you guys, you know, so your assertion, Nick, is that we're uh, suppressing this discussion or suppressing somehow the militia idea. We're not. Let's be very, very clear and very direct. The militia is a legitimate organization. I'm not going to back away from that one bit or pretend that's not true or be afraid of that reality. I'm not saying that for one second. The militia is God's way to protect the citizens as a final check and balance on out-of-control thugs at every level of government, whether they be uh, external uh, and they want to breach our sovereignty or they be internal and they want to take power under themselves that is not properly delegated. Militias are the last line of defense to prevent uh, out-of-control Anybody. And it was the militia that precedes the United States Constitution. Let's be clear about that as well. The militias are the ones that fought King George. The militias are the ones who had the final say at the end of the day about, hey, you're not coming to take our guns, George. That's not happening. We've got our own George, my friend. And as a result, hey, when they came to take the guns, the militia simply stood up and said, not on my watch, not happening, period, end of paragraph. And that's how the United States was born. As the founders understood this critical principle, these vital checks and balances, they also understood something else, in my opinion, that's really relevant to this discussion, and that is this, ladies and gentlemen. The founding fathers were worried about posse comitatus. All right, that's where militias really arose from, this idea of posse comitatus, which says, hey, you know what? The government cannot bring the military against us. When we give government authority and power, we need to be very careful that the military is to defend from foreign invasion, uh, etc. And they put in specific clauses in the Constitution to make sure that everything was fine. The Posse Comitatus said, look, the people as a whole, the citizenry, is the best way to uphold the law. And we don't want to take that out of the hands of the citizens. So that's why the militia, that's why the Posse Comitatus was put in place to say, look, we're not going to let military turn against the people. That's not happening. And so the idea from the founders was to say, let's have a strong militia in every state in the Union, colonies at the time, if you want to get accurate, uh, and, and let's make sure that we don't have any standing armies. You know, if you need to raise a standing army to, to, to fight off King George or the French or whoever the next group that wants to try to control us or take us over, by all means, raise an army for that purpose if it's justified. You've got to go to Congress to get that done, by the way. Uh, and so they, they literally said that. And then they said, hey, we don't want an army around long term. We don't need this buildup of military. Because the citizens and the militia play that role nicely. We just don't need some government military, especially not a centrally located one. Now, I know I'm taking a lot of poetic license to summarize the founders on this point, but I am doubling down in defense of Nick's point that this is a critical component of the republic. Let's be very clear. 
And we are not at the CSPOA, nor is Richard Mack, nor is Sam Bushman backing away from that or pretending that doesn't exist or afraid to mention that or any of those things. That's far from the truth. However, and this is kind of where my answer comes, however, we do disagree a little bit sometimes with tactics. Tactics. Sometimes people want to, if somebody had a hangnail in government, they want to go ahead and bring out the militia against them. A little overboard, if, if you ask my view. Uh, sometimes people believe that the militia is the only answer to things, and they're just one-trick ponies. They're focused on the militia only. Again, wrong answer in my opinion. There's several ways to defend and to restore the republic. We'll talk about that in seconds as my answer continues with Nick Pistachio on your radio. Pursuing liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. A four-day celebration has begun as Queen Elizabeth's Platinum Jubilee has kicked off in London, England. The Platinum Jubilee is the 70th anniversary of a British monarch's reign, and Queen Elizabeth II is the first to reach the milestone. Four people were killed in a shooting Wednesday evening at St. Francis Hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The gunman took his own life and several were injured, according to police. National Economic Council Director Brian Deese says President Biden will fix the inflation issue because he understands the pain most Americans are feeling with today's skyrocketing inflation. Uh, the way that, uh, that he approaches this issue, and very much from the perspective of what it feels like to sit around a dining room table or a, a kitchen table uh, in, uh, in this country, because that is, that's his lived experience, and that's the way that he approaches these economic policy questions. USA Radio News. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-444-9336. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes, are overweight, or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-444-9336. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-444-9336. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-444-9336. 800-444-9336. The Biden administration said Wednesday it would cancel all of the loans held by students who attended Corinthian colleges. Canceling the $5.8 billion loans in reality means it's not going away. Just who pays for it? The American taxpayer. Parents of newborn children in America are facing a formula shortage, and the problem continues to frustrate. Baby formula has been hard to come by after a factory in Michigan shut down due to four infants getting sick from their formula, two of whom died. House Minority Leader from California, Kevin McCarthy, on Fox News, accuses the Biden administration of doing nothing from the beginning to address the shortage. 
Instead of tackling the problem, they push it off till it becomes too great and blame somebody else. If they would lower regulation, have a meeting with their FDA, put hands on. Why aren't they sitting in that plant months ago? What needs to be corrected today to make this safe to be able to produce it? From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. USA Radio News. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Nick Natasha with me. Father, veteran, deeply concerned citizen, has questions for Sam Bush and Richard Mack. Hey, how come you guys aren't focusing on militias? They're one of the great answers for America. Uh, and, you know, I do agree that militias are absolutely part of the republic. I won't back away from that or the constitutionality at all. The Second Amendment and the Bill of Rights highlights the militia's role very nicely. The militia clause in the Constitution, if you will, what is it? Article 1, Section 8, Clauses 15 and 16, Congress shall have power too. Now, be very clear, it doesn't say Congress shall have exclusive power either. So this is where Congress has some authority. This is where the president has some authority. But understand that they are state and local uh, entities. Okay? And yes, it's true. Based on the checks and balances, Nick's right. A county sheriff only has jurisdiction in his limited county. Uh, and uh, the federal government, if you want to be general about it, the general government, I don't like the term federal or, or national governments really either, the general government, you know what, they have authority, and they can use the militia as necessary as well, uh, but not on, uh, what is it, prescription? They can't force people into service. I don't agree with that either. That's one thing that's kind of changed over time. So a lot of these terms have changed. What is a militia? Uh, what is a posse? What is a, you know, hey, militias have changed over time. I don't know if you know that, but if you really study militias from before America existed or before the Constitution, uh, militias was different than after. And over time, there's been all kinds of court cases and all kinds of discussions and all kinds of what is a militia. And so this primarily is the reason that we don't focus on this, because if you're not very careful what you get into, uh, Nick, is a, a big debate what about the militia? What if it's unorganized? What if it's organized? Who has the right to organize it? Who gives it authority? What if I have my own militia and you have your own militia? Which militia takes charge? Which, and so it becomes a very complicated discussion. And I kind of think of it a little bit like the Republicans and the Democrats uh, and the Libertarian Party and the Constitution Party. You know, who's right? Which way is the best way to fix America? To go through the Republicans and try to restore that party? Or is it better to go third party? Well, they, you know what? The debate's about that or until the cows come home. And the debate's about, uh, you know, hey, which platform? Well, I like a lot of the Libertarian platform. I like a lot of the Constitution Party platform. I like a little bit of the Republican platform. Well, hey, how do I merge all that? Well, what are you, Sam? Are you a Libertarian? Are you a third-party guy? What are you, you know? And there's a bunch of ways to work on the country. And I'm not here to attack the Republicans that are trying to reform the party from the inside. Uh, that's what Rand Paul's trying to do. That's what, you know, okay, that's their job. The third party folks, Chuck Baldwin, many others, believe the black robed regiment is the way to fix America. And they believe the pastors speaking in the pulpit with righteous indignation is the answer. And I commend them for their work. Uh, what am I? Am I a libertarian? Am I, look, I, I believe the founding fathers said we should jettison parties altogether. So I'm not really a party guy. In fact, I think parties destroy the country. Because if you're not very careful, the party, the good old boy network becomes king. And now you've kind of derailed your whole... So. Where do I fit? Well, you say, well, look at the libertarians, Sam. I understand. I'm kind of a libertarian with morals. So what does that make me, a constitutionalist? 
Yeah, you say I'm your constitutionalist, but you don't focus on militias enough. Well, now you look at Alexander Hamilton and Patrick Henry. In my opinion, two opposites in the founding era, if you will, to say the least. Patrick Henry was like, hey, give me liberty or give me death, man. I'm out. I don't want your crap. Uh, you know what? Alexander Hamilton was like, hey, I think we've got to have a central bank. All the other founders were like, have you lost your cotton-picking mind, sir? Are you crazy? Okay, so there's views all over the map about what we should be focusing on. At the CSPOA, the goal is to work with citizens and sheriffs and bring them together to say, hey, let's protect God, family, country. Let's protect life, liberty, and property. Let's make sure you understand your oath of office, sheriff, and or any other public official. And we'll back you when you obey your oath. When you don't, we're going to find somebody else who will. That's the role of the CSPOA. Mac is on that mission from his law enforcement experience. I, on the other hand, am a talk show host. And my goal is to explore these topics, to have open debates, in my opinion, and open discussions. In my opinion, that's the genius of America. The founders were all over the map in their understanding and their opinions. The term militia has changed over time. Now, should it have changed? Probably not. But look, what about an unorganized militia versus an organized militia versus? And the problem is that everywhere in America, 330 million plus Americans, their understanding is so shallow in this regard. They've been indoctrinated by government schools for so long. So we teach to the ideal. But a lot of times we live in the real. Okay, so a militia at the time of the Declaration of Independence, when there was no United States formed from what, 1775 to 1787 or whatever, there wasn't a complete country in place. And the militia then had a different role than it does today. You say, wait a minute, Sam, hold on, that's not uh, factual. Well, you know what? Part of the problem is we teach to the ideal, but we live in the real. How do I help the libertarians come to the mix? And you say, well, what's the difference between a libertarian and, a, and an anarchist? And they say, well, a couple of election cycles, Sam, you realize it's a sham and pretty soon you're an anarchist. I understand, but that's my point is that, hey, because of indoctrination and propaganda for decades upon decades, it is very hard to even teach people about due process of law, uh, much less militias. So do I believe that militias have a proper role in America? Absolutely. Do I believe that they're a legitimate solution to a lot of the problems we face in America? Without question. Am I afraid to deal with or talk to or work with a militia and or militia member? Absolutely not. I'm glad to work with them. They're a legitimate, proper role of limited government. It is one of the great last checks that Americans have, along with a fully informed jury, to make the point. So we have an absolute role to play. Our founders said you have a republic if you can keep it. Amen, I agree. And one of the great ways to keep it is when they come for the guns to say, uh-uh, like the Founding Fathers, we're not doing that. So I do believe in the militias, and I do believe they have a proper role. However, and this is kind of where the crux of the, the discussion comes, however, there are a lot of people that believe that they can just form whatever they want to outside of government entirely. Hey, I can have my own jury. I can indict anybody I want to. I can, I can create a militia, and I can go ahead and by force mandate whatever I want to. And Remember, the founder-esque view of America was to try to jettison the idea of force. How can we have enough force to protect America and to provide maximum liberty, uh, but not have enough force to cross the line into tyranny or anarchy? How do we walk that fine line of liberty? And that was the challenge for the Founding Fathers, and it's our challenge today. And in many ways, we've lost a lot of ground. I get it. In many ways, we've gained a lot of ground in a lot of wonderful ways, too. I've had pretty much peace in my country my whole life, and I was born back in 1967. 
So for 50-plus years, we've had relative peace. Now, I know we've gone to war when we shouldn't have. We've got all kinds of undeclared wars. We've done. There's a lot of uh, uh, negatives in, the, in, in America, too, if you spend time on them. But I prefer to spend time on the solutions and say, look, we believe from the CSPUA that's the efforts that we want to focus on. Others are like, no, Sam, you've got to secede from the union, buddy. And others are like, Sam, don't you know that an Article 5 convention is the way to go? Sam, that's the answer. And everybody has a solution to the problem. And uh, at the CSPA, we're just defining what our role is and what our goal is and what we're focused on and why. And then we're also saying, hey, we're willing to work across the country with all kinds of groups on all kinds of topics. So the Black Robe Regiment that I mentioned as well, hey, we're willing to work with those folks. They've got a great effort and we support them and what they're doing. We're also doing what we're doing. And so everybody kind of has a role. And just like the founding fathers, everybody has a strong point. Some of them were incredible writers. Look at the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Some of them were great debaters. Look at, uh, you know, Patrick Henry throws down the one-liner, give me liberty or give me death. That puts an end to all discussion for the most part. Hey, here's where I stand, and there's no uh, playing games about it. Uh, But the final question that Nick asked, and I'm going to answer it this way, is this. He says, what is it about the militia that most recoil at the law in this regard? And it's a fair question. I don't think I recoil at the law one bit. What I do, though, is I have a little bit of hesitancy on militias because if you're not very careful— and you have people set up their own, quote, juries. Some call them common law juries. And then you have somebody else say, hey, I'm working with the common law juries, and I'm setting up my own militia, man. And then somebody else says, yeah, you know what? Plus, we've got our own money supply. We're going to you know, print our own notes. And then somebody else says, hey, we're going to have a Continental Congress discussion, so we're going to have our own kind of legislative body. And somebody else says, if we're not very careful, what we're doing is we're setting up a shadow government, folks. And you could say that isn't true, Sam, that's not right, or we're setting up the legitimate, they're, they've the, they're the ones that have the shadow government. Now we're in debate land again. We're in debate land where, you know what, most of the American people don't even understand what we're talking about. Much less have the ability to do anything with what we give them. And so we need to kind of step away and say you've got to give people milk instead of meat when you're talking about you know, religious discussions or some of these country discussions about the founders. And you know, you've got to sustain what difference you can make at what level you can make. Uh, and so we need to be very careful that we don't bow to the low of those who have destroyed this country. They have set up a shadow government. When Congress won't look at vote fraud and they claim an insurrection happened on January 6th, this is what I'm talking about. We've got to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. And we've got to kind of work in the areas that we can for America. And the question is, how hardcore do you go? You know, is it better to work on building up our own militia? Or is it better on taking down the standing army that has no constitutional provision whatsoever? We've had a standing army in America for decades, and we ought not even have one at all. So the guys that work on getting rid of the army would say, hey, we've got to get rid of the army. The other guys would say, well, we've got to build up our own militia. I would say they're both right. Meanwhile, I'm going to work with sheriffs to try to help support the principles of the Constitution. The last point that I would make is, hey, if a militia has legitimacy, if it trains and is unorganized, but it represents the citizenry, as it should, now how does that militia get legs how does it go into service how does it who calls upon it when and if the sheriff calls upon it to do something and the governor calls upon it to do something else and the president of the united states calls upon it to do something else but the militia commanders decide they want to do something else who remedies those differences so we're not avoiding militias we agree they're legitimate however is it better to work on a militia 
Is it better work to work with uh, on a sheriff's posse where sheriffs can deputize people and as necessary? How should we go about bringing back the checks and balances that made America great? Because that's what we're losing the most in America today. How do we bring that back in a meaningful way? And that's really what we want to focus on. So are we backing away from this as you assert, Nick? I don't think so. Do we believe that there's other focuses that, that require our attention now? Absolutely. So hopefully that's a, an adequate answer to your question, sir. All right. Well, um, if you allow me, I'll, I'll address some of that. First, first thing I'd like to say is um, uh, if you read the New York State Constitution, uh, I'm not from New York. I live in Pennsylvania now. But uh, if you read the uh, New York State Constitution, the uh, sheriff is uh, almost impotent because the legislature can remove a sheriff at their discretion. So it's not even the it's not even a point that the the people have this, the ultimate authority as to who's going to represent them in that point. The legislature can take it away, and as we know, in places like New York, uh, they're extremely progressive people, and they they're opposed to uh, things like self defense uh, and the uh, people maintaining their sovereignty. So uh, as far as the militia goes, uh, this is something that's completely misunderstood, and I, th I, I think you're misunderstanding it also. Militia is a lawful entity. You can't just organize your own group of people. Militia has state statutes. Those, st uh, those statutes go all the, back, all the way back to colonial times. They really haven't changed. What, what changed... Over the, over the course of the year is that uh, over the course of the years is that uh, when Congress uh, when the uh, Constitution was debated and ratified, uh, they essentially said you know the people need some teeth they need to, this is a government of by and for the people uh, where the supreme power resides in the body of the people how do they maintain that well. Uh, We've had militias in the past. The militias uh, existed through the uh, revolution, although uh, for the most part they didn't do that good of a job. Uh, but uh, if we keep a body, a state body, uh, that has statutes, operates in specific fashion, then we have something that will keep the federal government at bay, a body that's charged with executing, enforcing the laws of the union, and importantly, repelling invasions. Before, as you said, they didn't want a, a standing army, so they left the repelling of invasions up to the uh, uh, the people in in the form of militia. And I and I like to plug a uh, article I I wrote, a, a case of treason, uh, which I, I go into this. Uh, but uh, so militia hasn't actually lawfully changed over the years. There was a change back in 1861 uh, when Lincoln uh, uh, moved the uh, free white males uh, from the federal statutes into all able-bodied men. So that in included uh, blacks in that. Uh, militia cannot be unorganized because the Constitution allows for only the organization, arming, and disciplining of the militia. So anything that would alter that 
is essentially unconstitutional. What's happened over the years is, is that propaganda, uh, and I, I, I think you addressed uh, this to a point, propaganda and misinformation has changed all of this. Also, uh, generally, the, the reason that militia is man, is, requires mandatory services, the majority of people will do nothing to protect themselves, their families, their, their, their communities. They'll, they'll yell a lot at the police if something happens, but they, they won't step forward for the most part. I was listening to a, um, uh, an official from the DHS a couple of months ago, and she said, you know, we operate under the supposition that 90% uh, of the people will do nothing to protect themselves, 7% might send a letter to their representative maybe once or twice. 3% might extend a little beyond that. And it's only 1% who will actively be involved in uh, doing anything to preserve the union. So uh, back back to the uh, po point of the militia. In, in, in 19, uh, prior to the, uh, the uh, turnover from the 19th century to the 20th century, uh, militias were essentially gone because nobody wanted to participate. So the Congress uh, saw this. They also saw that uh, war in Europe was inevitable. They needed to have people who were trained so that they can immediately go into the army and uh, perform their duties. So what they did was they implemented... Uh, they uh, promulgated the National Guard, or whatever, actually they say, whatever else you, you guys want to call it, uh, under Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, which Congress, uh, the states need to have a, uh, an armed force. Uh, and the uh, National Guard is actually the Army National Guard. Most people ignore that, that point. Uh, so what they did was uh, they said the National Guard is now the militia, which they couldn't do. And everybody else is the reserve militia. They, they didn't use originally use the words uh, unorganized. Uh, but as the years went went by, <clears throat> excuse me, as the years went by, uh, they started using the terms unorganized. And, and what what happened happens uh, when you tell a lie often enough, it becomes the truth. So essentially, in law, in constitutional law, the the uh, cons uh, the militia hasn't changed at all. The state statutes are still there, although they're buried deep. It took me I searched for the uh, uh, New Jersey statutes when I was living in New Jersey six months. Uh, I asked the state law library library. They didn't know where the heck they were either. So uh, they difficult people generally don't want to uh, talk about this discussion and believe me I've been before groups and I've uh, explained this to them some people think it's great other people they don't want to be bothered with it for the simple purpose that it requires a duty you have to train you have to maintain your arms in good working order and you have to be uh, a person who's essentially a first responder. You're not at the other end of a 9-11 call when somebody's uh, being attacked. What you are is you're a first responder. So 
in, in essence, militia should be omnipresent in the, in the community. You have able-bodied men, and obvi obviously it doesn't have to be mandatory nowadays. It could be vol voluntary, but you would, could also have women in, in the militia. Uh, uh, they can revitalize the statutes to uh, reflect all of that. But the most important point of uh, a militia is that it's a body that the people have to execute the laws of the union. The sheriff in some states are nothing more than uh, bailiffs for, uh, for the courts. I, I, I can't remember what state actually uh, took all the power away from the sheriffs. It may have been Virginia. I'm not ex exactly sure. Don't quote me on that. You might, you might know that uh, as you're the, uh, uh, in the CSPOA. But there is at least one state that I can recall uh, that took a power, power away from the sheriff. So wh where do you go if you, if you can't have the ultimate authority over the law? In this, in this nation, you know, as, the, as the courts have ruled on a couple of occasions, the supreme power resides in the body of the, of the people. Uh, you know, sovereignty itself is of course not subject to the law for the for it is the author and source of the law but in our system while sovereign powers are delegated to agencies of government sovereignty itself remains with the people by whom and for whom government exists and acts now i just quoted a supreme court case case there because uh, i'm not that smart to make those yeah no uh, I, I understand so nick i would i would say this you're making my point for me when i say that hey militias and the relationship that we have to them from a governmental point of view has changed over time. Now, I know you say the law hasn't changed, but I guess we can debate what the law is, and let me explain the point. I don't know if you know, but the first Militia Act was in 1792, passed, uh, I think, May 2nd through May 8th is when they fi finally ratified yeah. that or whatever. And it, okay, uh, so, yeah. so it was different before that act than it was after that act in 1792, okay? Let's be very clear. Let's also be clear that, you know what, when you had 13 colonies and now we have 50 states, every state has their own constitution. So the rule of law in America is the general constitution. And then the, each state has their own constitutions. Those are the, really the supreme laws. And when you have now 50 constitutions that refer to militias, uh, some of them are stronger than others, by the way. Uh, and you have so now you have this different relationship than you had uh, after the Declaration of Independence before the Constitution was ratified, and then it's different after the 1792 Act, and there's other uh, tweaks and changes that have gone on over the years as well. And so I, I, I kind okay, of rest let my me... case on the fact that things have changed uh, over time, even with regard to the law. So one last point, uh, before the states became members of the United States, what we really have is 50 separate republics, uh, and they are tied together by this dual sovereignty idea that says, hey, each state has its own autonomy, its own sovereignty delegated to it by the people. So does the general government. They have different delegations and different responsibilities, and there's dual sovereignties. They're supposed to work together on behalf of the people. But at the end of the day, the only power they have is that which is from the consent of the governed, which is us. In other words, the only power they have is what we've delegated to each of their spheres, separate spheres, uh, but coexisting 
uh, for the United States of America. So I, I bring that up because things have absolutely, from a law, from a reference point, changed. The state of Utah, that got admitted to the Union late in the game compared to other states, for example, has their own state constitution uh, and a different uh, relationship to some degree uh, than, say, before 1792. Uh, and so certainly things have changed. I think it's, it's quite easy to document, Nick. Okay, well, uh, first of all, the uh, Militia Act of 1792 only applies to uh, the federal government. Uh, each, sta each colony uh, that became states had their own uh, mo uh, militia statutes. Uh, for instance, uh, Rhode Island, I think uh, the requirement was 15 to 60. I, I don't believe they've uh, amended that in, a in any way. Virginia, I think it was 15 to 16 to 50, and... Uh, uh, I forget what Pennsylvania is, but uh, they all had different uh, uh, variables in, in yeah, that. You're right, and you're, uh, you're highlighting my point is that in every state it's slightly different, and therefore as it becomes different, as we get decades and decades and decades further from uh, the clear understanding that the Founding Fathers had of militias, it becomes very muddy to people, very hard for people to get their arms around, and hard to train and teach people what it is, how to empower it, uh, how to relate to it uh, on a local level, on a state level, on a federal or general level. Okay, these are very complicated discussions because instantly, you know what, we talk about five militias from given states working together, and now they've got different state guidances from their constitutions, etc. Uh, so it's not that we're afraid of this discussion, Nick. It's that the discussion is quite complicated, uh, and there's debates of how it could even be implemented and used and we kind of feel like if we're not very careful, we're debating between the Republican Party and the Democratic Party and the no party guys. And we're going to just battle on whose views are the best way to, to carry forward something. Uh, it, it's like the tax code a little bit, as you mentioned earlier in the hour. You know, I agree income taxes are absolutely unconstitutional and completely bogus. Okay, they're part of the Communist Manifesto, if you want to get factual. But why doesn't the CSBOA spend all our time on the tax issue? Well, we bring it up from time to time. We bring up militias from time to time. But we believe that, hey, helping sheriffs understand how to protect their citizens and keep their oaths of office and how to provide due process and mandate that for their citizens and act as an intermediate uh, be between government and, and those who would take away rights and the citizen, we believe that's where our focus ought to be. So when we come back next hour, what I want to do is I want to ask you several questions. I've answered your questions. I'm going to ask you several questions about the implementation of this with the complications that I've already highlighted. Uh, you've got 50 different state constitutions that are slightly different. You've got the sheriff being, uh, as you wisely pointed out, literally defamed in certain liberal progressive states. You know, how do we deal with this in a meaningful way? And how do we not go to war in the process? We'll talk about that with Nick Testacho. On your radio, concerned father, parent, and citizen, uh, concerned about our republic, and wisely so. You can find his articles at RestoreTheRepublic.org. I am Sam Bushman, LibertyRoundtable.com, LovingLiberty.net. Are we afraid of this discussion? I don't think so. Let's do it. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk show.
All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that it was refused to use. No doubt continues now. This is the broadcast for June 2nd in the year of our Lord, 2022. And this is our two of two. And the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Nick Testacho with me, ladies and gentlemen. Father, veteran, deeply concerned citizen. RestoreTheRepublic.org for his prolific articles. Uh, he asked Richard Mack and Sam Bushman, hey, why are you guys afraid to talk about and discuss militias? militias? My response is, uh, we're not. Why? Because uh, you guys don't talk about them as one of the great solutions in America. Why? Uh, because you know what? We believe that there's a lot of ways to solve the problems in America. And Richard Mack and the CSPOA is specifically focused on sheriffs and the citizens' relationship to those sheriffs uh, in a way to have the citizens and sheriffs work together to protect the citizens. That's the, the role of the CSPOA. But I, as a nationally syndicated talk show host, have no fear of discussing militias, no hesitancy to document their legitimacy, no hesitancy to back militias 100%. The problem is militias have changed over the time that we can discuss before and after the revolution, before and after the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the Articles of Confederation. And even in the United States era, there's been a lot of changes. This Act of 1792, I don't know if you're familiar with the Act of 1903, uh, 1908, you know, there's 1861 stuff, there's uh, militia stuff before that. There's, okay, it's, it's all over the map. And it's all over the map, especially when each state then becomes a member of the Union, the United States. 1792 changed how the federal government or the general government deals with the militias. Then there was a debate about how the states or the federal government, the general government, who would have control and when and how and what. Then each state has their own state constitutions. It's a very complicated thing. And over the decades, we've lacked knowledge and training and education on these topics to the point where, uh, and Nick's right about this, we're about to lose militias altogether because people don't even understand them. And we've got to bring this back to the national discussion. Nick's right again. And Nick's also right that, hey, the fundamental reality of the authority of a militia has not changed, regardless of the <laughs> dinkering around that states and Congress and everybody else has done to this thing. The fact remains the same, that there's a legitimacy set forth by the founders for militias, an appropriate justification for the need of them in modern times, especially. And so the last question would be, hey, Sam, are you fine to set up militias? Absolutely. Are you fine to let Americans arm themselves and train them and train? Absolutely. It's American God-given inalienable right of self-defense we're talking about, without question. So I'm not backing away from militias in any way. Am I a member of the militia? No, I'm not. First off, I'm over 45. Secondly, I'm a blind person. Okay, so I'm not in a militia. But am I distancing myself from militias? Am I downing them or, or, or challenging their legitimacy? Absolutely not. Not in any way. Why would I? They're a legitimate part of the solution in America. What is the primary solution? To make sure that government obeys the law, too. And they're flat out of control. We agree with that. So Nick Destacho with me, ladies and gentlemen. And he wants to talk about this in more detail. And so uh, now this hour, I want to get into some real questions for Nick that I have. Uh, and the first Go one is, right you know, uh, when, we, when we talk about legitimacies of militias, uh, a listener and a co-host uh, on Friday, Saturdays with me, his name is Chris, uh, he basically said, hey, what happens when you set up a militia? The first thing is you get infiltrators uh, and government provocateurs that infiltrate 
your militia. Sadly, in modern times, he's got a point. So how do we set up militias in meaningful ways that obey the law, uh, that then can be utilized appropriately? Uh, who would they be set up under? Who would have control of them? Uh, and then we'll get to my questions in a minute about, hey, what about the sheriff? What about the governor? What about the president of the United States? And, and, and what if there's conflicts in uh, the carrying out of those, those legitimate, I would say, uh, militia duties? Uh, let's start there, Nick. Okay, sure. Uh, first of all, you cannot set up a militia. I, I don't know if I didn't make this clear before, but you cannot set up a militia. <clears throat> Each state has uh, militia statutes. Uh, they're sitting there. They're not in use. What needs to be done is for you, me, whoever else, and I, I've uh, attempted to do this, and uh, I've reached out to the NRA to do this. They refuse to because there's too much money in uh in actually losing uh, gun control debates. And uh, I agree with you on that yeah. point, Nick, for sure. You, What you need to do is you need to go to your state legislature and you, you need to tell them, listen, you reinstate, revitalize these, um, uh, these statutes because you're out of hand, you violated your oath of office God knows how many times, and we need to take control back to where it belongs in the hands of the people. Who, now, now let me stop you there, though. That's kind of like going to the fox uh, uh, in charge of the hen house and saying, quit killing chickens there, Nick, a well, little bit, right? I mean, uh, we're, we're, in that, we're in that position, but you, uh, we have the statutes in place already. It's not that difficult to go to your, your state representative uh, and show a, a united front to them and say this is you here are the laws they're there they're sitting there we need to revitalize them and if that doesn't work then yet then you go to the courts now, hold on before you go on so i would say this if you're saying that we should go to the legislative bodies and right. have them call out and and legitimize or bring back uh, the militia and the traditions of our founding fathers uh, would i support that absolutely okay so i just want to be very clear absolutely on the same page yeah okay so that's the that's the first step you you have to take. And 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 by the way, I did a show a couple of years, maybe three years ago, with a uh, board member of the NRA, and I presented it to to them. I said, "Listen, I will do all the paperwork on this. If it's got to go to court, I'll even write the briefs for it. I can't. I'm not a licensed attorney, but I will write the briefs. You give me an attorney. You give me." a group of people who are willing to send letters to their uh, representatives so that we could have a dis at least a discussion on this. You understand that if a representative gets a hundred letters, he's concerned that there's a real problem. He's going to have to look into it. And like I, I said, the and that's law one of the things we teach, the greater numbers of we, the people, we need to assert ourselves. The founder said you have a republic if you can keep it. For the very reasons you're pointing out, Nick. Okay, great. So we're essentially on the same, on the same page for that. But, it, it, you know, you have to, these organizations like the Michigan Militia, they have no authority. They don't have any constitutional authority. They have no state authority. They, they're just setting themselves up and they're calling themselves militia. And that's a, really a lack of education 
on this point. Uh, to your, uh, and, and hold to on, your let me be very that, clear. Not only is it a lack okay. of education, but it's causing problems now, creating even greater confusion, backed by military or equivalent muscle, if you will, which gives a lot of people reason for pause. Justly so in many ways, right? Absolutely. I've said ahead, that sir. numerous times myself. Yeah. So um, what, what we, we need to do uh, as far as a, a people to answer your question, how do you go about this? You, you know, you, you go to your state legislatures. You have to have some support. Now, th this uh, this board member said to me, you know, he had one of the largest uh, pro-second uh, broadcasts in the nation, apparently. Uh, at least that's what I was uh, told. And he said, we can get you 10,000 people. To follow along. Well, this this was about. I don't believe the time. he's correct, though. I don't believe he's right, but I I, I hear you. But no, I well, that's that's what. Yeah, uh, you know, that that was it. And he said we have to have you as a uh, a regular guest on it on the show because I like your points and everything. I never heard back from him, and I, I uh, he had close ties to uh, some of the the attorneys that brought those uh, ten cases uh, before the Supreme Court. Uh, and I told some of those attorneys, I said, listen, the Supreme Court's going to re reject these because uh, you did not understand what Heller says. So I, I think that he may have uh, been, uh, may have gotten a talking to uh, from uh, some of them. But to that point is that not only do people not want to perform a duty, there are people who, you know, have put this smiley face on and they say things like, yeah, we're pro-second, we're fighting for your rights and everything. What they're fighting for is contributions and memberships. If they lose here and there, they they don't care. If they present an illegitimate argument uh, here and there, it, it doesn't matter to them. And all they do, all the attorneys do now is follow bad case law. Every one of them disregards the Miller decision, which says the purpose of the Second Amendment was to make sure that Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15 and 16 are enforced. And instead, what we have had now is this massive propaganda about what militia actually is, what the statutes actually says, and I'm going to get into that in a second. And, and and so now we have this mindset now that's so uh, overcome, I don't know, any other word, has a veil over it as to what militia is. But to your point about things changing, the federal statutes are, are, are different from the state statutes. The state statutes haven't been changed. The federal statutes I understand. Ha have. Let me stop you, though. So there's 51 now. If you take the 50 state statutes plus the general statute, you got 51 Correct. statutes that all slightly right. differ. Well, the only thing that I know of that's difference is how many times a year they train what the age brackets are. Like I said before, I think Virginia's 16 to 50. Rhode Island is uh, is 15 to 60. And, uh, 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 yeah, initially it was 45, kid. I understand, 15 to 45. and uh, So this is what I mean, though. The semantics, yeah. the details change. And as a result, it's very hard 
for people to embrace an idea which they don't understand because of the propaganda, which they don't understand because the great real history has been lost, uh, very complicated. It has a, again, when you start bringing guns to the table, it has a question of is, hey, when am I peacefully being part of the solution versus when have I kind of crossed the line? Uh, and now, oh, okay, let me so, ask you a question. So, so let's 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 take yeah, it like uh, this though, and ask, and ask this question. So, in the state of Utah, where I live, let's just use that for an example. Okay, uh, it's a very conservative state, is why I'm using it as well, comparatively speaking. Now, I know people like me who live here would say it's liberal as all get out, but compared to Pennsylvania, where they literally, you know, yeeted the sheriff or got rid of the sheriff entirely. <clears throat> um. Where are we at then? So you've got sheriffs, 29 of them in my state, 29 counties, and those sheriffs can set up their own posses at their own pleasure. They can set up posses. Uh, they can call people into service. They can take volunteers. They can deputize people. They can uh, give authority. They can give training. They can do all kinds of things uh, as the sheriff. Now, there's several sheriffs in Utah that are already doing that as well, and I commend them for that, by the way. But now you say, okay, so is there a militia in the state of Utah? If there is, where does this authority come from and who controls it? Well, you know, I, I haven't read the Utah Constitution. I can tell you what other okay. constitutions I get it. But, but, so you're highlighting my point, though, which is you don't really know. Number one, if one exists. Number two, uh, based on the regulations, you'd have to even read that to know even how it would interact within our state, right? No, no, that that's not the case at all. Okay, Every so tell me if we have one and who controls it. You should have one because it's a requirement of the U.S. Constitution. We agree. Okay, so uh, I haven't read, of the state constitutions I, I've read, I haven't read one which doesn't uh, say that uh, the state has a, a militia and there aren't. Uh, specific statutes regarding that. Uh, I, uh, for instance, in the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse case, uh, Wisconsin has a, has a militia, and he fell fell within that uh, uh, that specific age bracket, which was seventeen to um, fifty, I believe. Uh, as, as far as your state, but you're you're talking about age which doesn't really bear on the function of the uh, of the militia the function of the militia is clearly stated it's to execute the laws of the union and that applies across all 50 states that does that doesn't change in any way shape or, or form the sheriff on the other hand has specific duties within his his state for for I lived in, in New Jersey, and I, I, I tell you what, for most of the sheriffs there, I wouldn't give you two cents for them. They're mean, nasty people. They're nothing but political hacks. Uh, here where I am in Pennsylvania, I've spoken to the sheriff a couple of times. He's a very nice guy. I've spoken to him about CSPOA, if, if he was going to uh, join or not. Uh, but the rules for militia are, you must be organized, you must be armed, you must be trained, you must have maintain your weapons, and you must come forward when you're called into duty. All right, now let's talk about that okay. organization for a second. So just okay. so you know, there is a militia in Utah. Okay. Is it a state right, militia? <clears throat> yes, it is. Okay, great. All right, now, 
we got to ask the question, though, about when you say it's got to be organized, by whom? State statutes. I understand. So in the state statutes, then, who is the leader of the militia? So in the United States, the commander-in-chief is the president of the United States of America. Uh, he's the commander-in-chief. Who's the equivalent on the militia state side uh, to the commander-in-chief? Who controls the militia? The governor. The governor, right. Yeah, uh, any, any constitution I've read, it's the governor. It's the governor. That's right. Uh, who else? Anybody else? Well, you have the commander or captain of each county. I understand. And that commander and, and, and uh, in each county, do they answer to the sheriff or does the sheriff answer to the commander? No. They do not answer to the sheriff. Because they, they're, they answer they're, well, they answer to the governor. All right. So now what you've got is a jurisdictional check and balance in a given county where you've got the sheriff and his authority. He's the chief executive in his county. And you've got a militia then who answers to the governor. Right. But can the sheriff call on the state militia in his county to help him? Absolutely. Yeah. Of, of, so what of if the course. Governor says it's no a, and the sheriff says yes. The sheriff says I need you to help me. The up, governor says no, you're off your rocker. No, it's up to the militia. Because in this state, let's take the pedigree as a, as an example. While uh, the uh, you you're supposed to judge the f facts of the case, I think it was uh, just of uh, just a story who said uh, while you uh, have the authority to uh, uh, judge the facts of the case, you also have the authority to uh, judge the law. And that's part of the militia's duty. No, we're not going to yes, come it's, it's out and execute an unconstitutional. What's that? Right. It's a it's a it's akin to the fully informed jury uh, is your point. Right. About. Yes. Not only do they judge right. the situation, but they judge the law as well. I, yes. I, I don't mean to derail the conversation. I'm just trying to double down. No, no, no. Let people understand yeah. that's a legitimate principle that you're speaking of here. Right. So go ahead. Sir. Uh, I mean, you know, there are obviously. Uh, in in the statutes, there are, you you have to come out and do this, that, the other thing. But the uh, the uh, commander uh, or the captain of the militia uh, has the authority. So we can't come out for an unconstitutional act. You want me to disarm the citizenry? Well, first of all, we are the citizenry. Uh, you want me to uh, go arrest this fellow? Uh, for doing this particular thing or not paying a uh, uh, a parking ticket? No, I'm not going to do that because it, it, you have no authority to do that to begin with. So the sheriff may do the same thing as far as I know. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's anything that would... Uh, well, obviously in, in some states there is. Uh, but in many states, there's nothing that prevents the sheriff from acting in the same course. It, it's it, it's just that the the militia is recognized across all 50 states. It's recognized in federal and state statutes. And uh, I have to reiterate because there seems to be confusion on this. The general function and duties form of the militia is execute the laws of the Union, repel invasions, suppress insurrections, and all the laws, for instance, one of the laws of the Union is the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So 
who protects that right? Ultimately, it's the militia. So this uh, this is not a, a, a complicated. No, hold totally on. Ultimately, hold yeah. on. It ultimately, yeah. it's everyone in America, those who have uh, become elected and or appointed and have taken an oath of office to serve us, whether they're in the military, whether they're sheriff, whether they're the governor, all of them have sworn an oath to uphold the protection of our God-given inalienable right of self-defense. It is codified by the Second Amendment and the, uh, the Bill of Rights. I get it and agree, but I, I'm telling you the rights come from God and they're inalienable. They're just codified by documents um, and uh, statute well, and whatever you want to say, right? Yeah, what what I said was that the militia protects us. I didn't say that the government gives you any of those rights. You know, yeah, people. What I'm trying to get across, though, is there's other people who have obligations to protect them as well that we need to hold accountable well, to do so. Also. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, your Congress uh, under Article One, Section Eight, has eighteen authorities which they must abide by. I think they've uh, expanded that to five hundred and sixty million authorities that no they question. think they have. And we right. need to stop that and bring it back. There's no question about that. We agree. So now okay. let's say that the let's okay. say that the governor wants to disarm you. The sheriff says, "Not on my watch, buddy. That ain't happening." Now the militia sides with the sheriff, right? Uh, well, they should, yeah, because they're the ones who are armed and protecting the community. All right. So what coordinates the efforts between, say, a sheriff, who's the executive branch within his jurisdiction? So in every branch of the United States government, you have three branches of government, the executive, which is the sheriff, the legislative body, which would be the county commissioners or uh, whatever you want to call them. And then the third one would be the uh, district attorney or the equivalent of the judiciary, so to speak. Uh, where does the um, proper role of militia and, uh, in terms of this and how does it relate to these? Does it answer to any of those three branches of government or are we saying there's a fourth branch of government? No, well, like I said, the, uh, the the militia is an entity of unto itself, right? In other words, it's an entity uh, of the state, put in put in right. statute by the legislative body, carried right. forward by the executive branch, and the checks right. and balances are the the legislative, the executive, and the judicial, uh, in like fashion, right? Right. All right. So, if uh, you're in a county. The top jurisdictional official in, as an executive in that county is who? Well, the elected uh, elected sheriff should be. All right. So if that's the case, and he's the chief executive in his county then, for a militia to be legitimate, it would have to have uh, a willingness of these three branches of government to back that militia. Well, right. it, okay, but you, like I said, the statutes are all all in place, so that yes. constitutes yeah, so a record. You're saying it's already done. You're record. saying, hey, they already do back. I get it. I, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. De I am not attempting to deconstruct uh, the militia. What I'm really doing is building a case, Nick, to say yeah. it's already legitimately backed by these three branches of government, ladies and gentlemen. Let's be clear. That's already in place. That's Nick's whole point, and he's right. Go ahead, sir. Okay, so uh, your your question here is uh, how do you bring this uh, forward? And, and essentially, like I said, uh, stated before, uh, you you have to get a body of the people who are willing to do a little bit of work, you know, uh, uh, petition their uh, representatives, and all you need is a uh, hundred in each one of the juris, uh, jurisdictions, and they're, they're going to know there's a problem. 
And if every jurisdiction uh, hears about this, there's going to be a statewide problem. Um, as 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 far as the uh, who's in charge, where, obviously the the sheriff uh, controls a very small body of, of people himself and and his deputies. There could be instances. All right, hang tight. Nick Tostasio with me, ladies and gentlemen. I don't mean to interrupt Nick. It's the bottom of the hour break. It's a hard break. I can't change it. We'll be right back and let you continue in seconds. You are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. The CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, Jamie Dimon, says there's a financial storm on the horizon, but no one knows how bad it will really be. It's a hurricane. It's we, right now. It's kind of sunny. Things are doing fine. You know, everyone thinks the, the Fed can handle this. That hurricane is right out there down the road, coming our way. We just don't know if it's a minor one or Superstorm Sandy. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is ordering an immediate review of all schools in the state. He wants to make sure they're following safety measures after last week's horrific shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Governor Abbott told officials to conduct unannounced random intruder audits. The goal is to find weak access points and to see how quickly staff can enter a school without being stopped. Thanks for listening. It's well appreciated. We are USA Radio News. Paid for by government.com. Have you heard? The United States Mint has issued the Morgan Silver Dollar for the first time in 100 years. Not only that, but they are also minted in 99.9% pure silver for the first time ever in history. Coin experts are calling this an amazing opportunity for anyone that knows the enduring popularity of Morgans. But you must hurry. Only 175,000 legal tender silver dollars were issued. These Morgan Silver Dollars are brand new, bright and shiny legal tender coins minted by the iconic Philadelphia Mint. Just call one. 1-800-888-7630 and you are guaranteed a new 99.9% pure silver Morgan dollar. The first time in history this has happened. But with limited quantities, you must call now to order. To learn more, call 1-800-888-7630. If you order now, you will receive a free collector bonus, a $25 value free with every order. Call 1-800-888-7630 now to secure your new Morgan silver dollars before they are gone. That's 1-800-888-7630. After six weeks of testimony, a decision was reached in the Johnny Depp-Amber Heard liable trial. On Wednesday, Depp won the defamation lawsuit he filed against his ex. A Virginia jury awarded him $10.35 million in damages. Amber Heard also partially won her counter-lawsuit over comments made by Depp's lawyer, Adam Waldman. The jury awarded her $2 million in damages. The Dallas Cowboys NFL Club is helping the families of Uvalde, Texas, after last week's school shootings. The Dallas Cowboys and the NFL Foundation are giving $400,000 in total to help South Texas families affected by the Uvalde school shooting. Team Executive Vice President Charlotte Jones saying last week's attack on Robb Elementary broke everyone's heart, and she promised to keep victims in her thoughts and prayers. Half the money will go to the Robb School Memorial Fund, while the other half will go to the Uvalde Strong Fund. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. USA Radio News.
All right, back with you live. We're talking to Nick Nastasio, ladies and gentlemen, and we're talking about militias and their legitimacy. So I agree that militias are absolutely legitimate. There's no hesitation on my part to talk about them or endorse them or embrace them or give them credence in America today. They deserve their proper, legitimate, constitutional, proper role of government role. There's no doubt about it. And I don't hesitate from that one bit, Nick. Okay, so uh, the issue is uh, how do we get them back? Uh, am I correct? Yeah, it's a fair uh, question, and it's a good question, and it's something that we should certainly work on. All right. Well, uh, as I said before, I propose to this person. Uh, I've done it before a couple a couple of places I've spoke spoken at, and uh, I said, "Listen, I, you know, I'll write the letters out for you. You just put put your name in there and the name of your rep- representative. I'll give you several letters." Uh, uh, to write so you can... Okay, but, 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 but hold on, Nick. I appreciate that yeah. you want to go to the legislative body and get back to militias, but Utah already has one. Okay, but there's 49 or other your states. state. Does your state have one? Every state has one not active, though. Right. Okay, well, so let, let, me, we let me ask it. What? Sure, how do we ahead. activate? Yeah, well, like I, like I said, we activate by having the uh, the state legislature revitalize those uh, uh, statutes. Uh, and the way we go about that is is to present some uh, front on a gr- group of people, just like the anti-gunners uh, do it. Uh, we get, I don't know, uh, I'm not even sure how many you would need uh, inside a state. I don't think it would, uh, it, it would be that many uh, to start the ball rolling. Uh, the the pro- one problem that I've faced here is that there's s- such misunderstanding of what militia actually is, and we've covered that to a certain certain extent. Uh, that uh, people don't uh, well. For instance, I, I was at a large uh, gun range. Uh, some years years back, and I was talking to the owner, and I brought up the subject of militia, and he was, uh, I don't even want to go there. Don't even bring that up. Um, I've been kicked off a couple of forums for bringing up militia, and wh- and when I speak about this stuff, I'm I'm not talking about my opinions. I'm telling you about what the statutes are, what the constitution requires, what each state constitution requires. Uh, if you go back and, and, and read, I'm going to go and read your uh, the Utah State uh, Constitution. It's one of the ones I haven't read, but I'm, I guarantee that it, it's similar to the Pennsylvania, the New Jersey, the uh, Wisconsin. Oh, it is. You're correct. Virginia. It's very similar. It's very similar yeah. indeed. Okay. And, and that's kind of the, the, the reality, though. The history is complicated for militias. Uh, and let me give you an example. In the state of Utah, I don't know if you know, but the first militia in the state of Utah was what was called the Nauvoo Legion. And the Nauvoo Legion uh, was put together by members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who were all volunteers. That was the first militia uh, in Utah. Okay, but back then Utah was a territory. Right. And the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints fled the United States. Why? Because in Missouri, believe it or not, uh, in Missouri... Uh, governor Boggs, that was the name of the governor back in the 1800s at the time, Yeah, yeah. put forward what was called an extermination order against all Mormons. Kill them, all of them, men, women, children, everybody on site. 
extermination order. And so the Mormons fled to Utah for safety from this thug. Uh, and they had a militia called the Nauvoo Legion, which was named after the city they lived in in Nauvoo, Illinois at the time. They fled Illinois. <clears throat> they eventually had to flee Missouri, eventually run to the Rocky Mountains for safety. Eventually the territory became a state. Uh, my, whole, my whole point was you had a religious militia as the first militia in the state of Utah. And it got changed over time, and that general Nauvoo Legion militia got dissolved um, by the Edmund Tucker Act. And so this is kind of what I mean by there's, there's a lot of complications here that I, may not, I, I think you may not be aware of. Now, does that change the simplicity of bringing back the militia? No, it doesn't. Why do I bring it up then? Why do I spend so much time on it? Because you're going to get pushback from all these people in all these different legislative and judicial uh, meanderings that have taken place state by state uh, and at the general level over these number of decades. Um, that doesn't change the fact that the, that the militia has a role, has a legitimate place, has a proper function in legitimate government. And so let me make I, some I, let me Sam I, I, I highlight that. that because I want people to know that it's legitimate nevertheless and it ought to okay. be brought back and we would let, be influential me, to help bring it back in a meaningful way provided that we get my questions answered though of where does the authority come from what happens when there's conflicts uh, what happens because if you're not careful what you end up creating is war unintentionally well uh, the uh, state constitutions are fairly clear on that there are uh, the militia operates according to the statutes that they have in place. And like I said, those fundamentally, those statutes are in essence the uh, same throughout the nation. In the 13 colonies, they were almost identical, except for how many times a year they had to come out and train, or what the age differences were. Uh, so we're, we're getting... Uh, caught up on conflict here, whereas uh, the function of the militia is to execute the laws of the, the Union. And I, I want to make some points here which deviate just a little bit, but uh, bring up some points that we can make to get people enthused about the, the militia. For instance, the anti-gun crowd uh, is always on the, the business of background checks. Well, part of the statutes, uh, militia statutes say, uh, you have to maintain your uh, rifle in good working order, and the uh, lieutenant, captain, lieutenant of the county, whichever is assigned the duty, can come to you uh, periodically and make sure that you're maintaining your weapon in good working order, you know how to use it, and, want, and, and you're training. Okay, so that's one point. You want background checks? We have a way of giving you ongoing background checks. So people like these uh, who go around to school shootings, they're going to be recognized by the entire community, right? And it's not going to be, well, I didn't want to say anything to the sheriff or the police or anything. You might say it to your father, your brother, your sister, whoever the case may be. And you know what? Somebody there is going to be, I'm going to the militia, or I am the militia, I'm bringing this up, we're going to this guy's house, uh, we're going to uh, check to main ch uh, make sure that he's competent, to, uh, he's maintaining his weapons, he knows how to use them, and whatever else might, uh, might uh, be employed in that. Now, 
again, another point is that if you have a militia which is there all, all the time and checking on these people, what are the chances that crime is going to go uh, go down? Now, I presented this to police, and the first response was, crime's going to go down. Uh, school shootings, I'd be willing to guess that the amount of school shootings or even mass shootings would almost disappear in this country. Yeah, if your goal, Nick, is to convince me that having a militia in place that's uh, properly activated, uh, properly training, properly regulated is the term that you might want to use here, uh, I think that it has absolute legitimacy, and I don't see a single negative in doing so. In fact, it would solve a, a plethora of problems, uh, from crime to all kinds of different things. Uh, you could have them be poll watchers. You could have them do all kinds of things. All of it doesn't have to be military by nature either. Um, so there's a lot of things that could be done uh, because when does a militia station uh, become mandatory versus voluntary versus when can that organization be utilized for other voluntary purposes? Uh, the list goes on and on. And that's kind of where you start to blur. Uh, and now you say, well, wait a minute. Why not just work with the sheriff and be part of a sheriff's posse? Uh, you know, uh, how do we distinguish the two? How do we? Uh, because the be sheriff both, is a completely right? different entity than well, he's the chief executive is. in his county. He's the highest authority yeah, in his county. He does, he, uh, well, from a civilian standpoint, but but the, but the militia is, is over and above that because, it, okay, like so I said— saying, Hold on. So you're saying that the militia is a military station that transcends the office, the three branches of government. Is that what you're saying? No, it's not a military. It's a quasi-military function with both civilian and military uh, powers. And do they answer to the sheriff and the governor, respectively? They answer to the governor. There's nothing about – if you go through any of this stuff, there's nothing about the sheriff interacting with militias. All right. So now you're taking a given county, let's say. And let's say the IRS is trying to take someone's house. This is right. a real example. Okay. <clears throat> the federal government wants to call in the SWAT team. Right. The sheriff trying to say, no, wait a minute, hold on, it's my job to check if the paperwork's in order here. Uh, that's a problem. The militia guys say, hey, we're not going to wait for you, sheriff. Shut up, sit down. You're not even relevant here, buddy. And uh, now what happens at this person's house? Well, the militia could uh, show. What? Well, for, first of all, yeah. Who he, calls he, the shots? Well, first of all, let's be clear. The federal government has no jurisdiction there, Okay. And I well, know I agree, that, they, but 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 hold on. I agree yeah. factually, but the fact is, uh, you know what? Power knows no bounds. Unless someone's there to repel that power, they assert that power and still take a, people. Absolutely. Out. So you show so that's up the with real a, and the ideal that we're talking about here, right? Okay. So you show up with an IRS SWAT team, and they're met by a company of militia, and the militia okay. says, "You're here unlawfully. Turn over your guns. You're under arrest." All right. Now, what and the, the militia does do? have that authority. What does the sheriff do now? The sheriff's saying, look, you're all in my county. All of you are out of control. I'm going to well, arrest y'all. Arrest the militia? Well, and, he's going to wind up in handcuffs then if you have a legitimate militia operating according to the statutes. I get it. So now we're getting to the rub. He ends up in handcuffs, but what does the governor have to say? 
because the militia is now going to try to arrest the sheriff. The federal government's out of control. Everybody's there. There's nobody in charge. Now the governor has to come on the scene, right? Well, uh, again, Sam, the militia is in charge. That's who is in charge ultimately, because in as, as I governor? keep what in charge of the governor? in charge of the governor. Uh, okay, well, let me just divert to a quote from. So, so here's what Jackson. I'm saying to you. Here's what I'm saying to you, and I'll be very, very clear now. So in America, you've got checks and balances. You've got three branches of government all the way from top right. to bottom, and the separation of powers is there horizontally uh, and vertically. So the states can check the federal government, vice versa, uh, based right. on their jurisdictional sovereignty, the delegated authority. Okay, there's checks and balances. So at some point, though, what you're telling me is the militia obliterates all those checks and balances. At some point, no, you're saying the chief commander of the militia is in charge. Checks and balances are on the government, not on the people. Uh, but the people delegated authority to government. They delegated limited authority to the government to operate within whatever the U.S. Constitution and the state constitutions uh, apply. It, the right. checks and so balances... delegated a, a sheriff and a governor to be the two from the state and the county to be the two chief executives in the county. And what you're saying to me is that, that hey, if push comes to shove, now you've got the feds there, you've got the, the governor there, the state there, you've got the county people there, and Hey, at some point, somebody's going to pull rank. Who is it? Who has the legitimate authority you, to pull rank? You're saying it's the I militia. I just told you it's militia. And you're saying, and I'm saying to you that that is the reason. You asked us clearly at the CSPA, why do we not talk about this so much? Because the answer is now becomes very, very convoluted. You say, what is it about the militia that makes people recoil at the law in this regard? You've got a situation where you've got a very fuzzy in the militia discussion about its origins its proper role it's who's in charge of it and that collides with the proper role of government based on the uh, separation of powers and the checks and balances that we see in america that's at odds and that's a, a I... battle that that's a battle that's going to be about impossible for you to educate people through uh, in a meaningful way at some I don't point think it's... somebody's in charge somewhere and if you're not careful yeah. what you're going to have is the militia shuts down the governor and shuts down the sheriff and the feds just come in and wreck everybody and no you're not going to secede from the union and no we're not going to have an article 5 convention uh, no 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 we're the feds and we're in charge now so what you got to understand is that power in, in, in any vacuum there will be a greater force that will exert force uh, and if you're not very careful you end up with a militia count uh, a militia commander that has this military trained force at his fingertips that now become judge during executioner because you know what IRS, you're getting arrested. You know what, Sheriff, you're getting arrested. You know what, Governor, you're getting arrested. We well, yeah, you can, okay, so you, and, you're and talking about, about arresting about somebody elections? on probable cause, right, because you know that they're violating. First of all, as I explained earlier, one of the tenets of uh, one of the doctrines of law is expressio unis est exclusio alterius. So Congress, nobody can call out IRS agents because it's an unconstitutional agency. We agree 100% in fact, but again, that's where we teach to the ideal, but we live in the real. The ideal says you're absolutely 1,000% right, Nick, but the real says my friend still lost his house the other day. Okay, well, maybe if we had militia, he wouldn't have lost his house. 
Possibly. And by the way, I've been fighting with the IRS for decades. I understand. And uh, if we had a sheriff's posse and a sheriff that was constitutional, we may not have had that problem either. You mean in his county? Yeah. If yeah. the sheriff had a posse and the sheriff heard that the IRS is coming to so-and-so's house, and the sheriff says, look, not on my watch. There's checks and balances here, a federal government. You don't have your paperwork in order. And my citizen has due process of law, and I'm going to insist that he gets it. Uh, and the sheriff brings out his posse and says, you know what? Go home, federal government, or we're going to arrest you. Well, let, let me yeah, ask you a question. We're accomplishing the same things, right? Let me ask you a question uh, along those lines. Sure. The federal government comes along, and they say they have proper uh, paperwork. And the sheriff looks at it and says it's proper paperwork, but it's uh, derived uh, from the uh, fruit of a bad tree, which is the income tax as it's currently applied uh, is yeah, that's right. unconstitutional. In other, in other words, the sheriff doubles down on the crime here. Yeah. Okay, that, so you're saying then what? Well, that's, that's my question. What do you do if the sheriff looks at the paperwork and says this is – uh, the paperwork's in order. Yeah. You can so, arrest So then this you've guy. got a sheriff that's violating the law as well, and we need to replace him because he's, he's uh, guilty of dereliction of duty, and so we replace the sheriff for sure. In the meantime, is your point, hey, that American citizens can come to the defense of the American people? Absolutely. That's what happened in Ammon Bundy's case at Bundy Ranch, and we supported it in 2014 1,000%. All right, but again, they weren't organized. They were vilified and, and whatnot, and it... it turned into a uh, uh, it's a debate well, on if when you say they were unorganized that's debatable it depends on how you define the organization and by whom that's my whole point is that you know by whom well i define right? it by statute that's the only way i can define it okay but you've if got you, a bunch you, of people you, from different states all in nevada now does nevada statute prevail for people that came from afar of course you, you mean people who are not residents yeah they, they came from all over the country to help Ammon bundy and those guys right no, because they weren't part of the uh, constitutional militia. They had no authority. They were there protesting. And but but I'm, a lot of let them, me. Think. A lot of them were from state militias, though. No, they weren't. There there are no state militias. There are no legitimate state militias currently. I acting. understand. Okay, so now we're getting somewhere. So now if we're going to talk about a state militia, and we're going to go to the legislative body and create one. We can look at current last uh, statutes that are on the books, but if Congress in each state, the legislative body in each state is going to go ahead and legitimize their militia in their state, they're certainly going to look at the old regulations, but they're also going to put together a new bill, a new legislative reality that it might, again, redefine militia's place and scope. Okay. Um, you cannot take away from the militia the authority to execute the laws of the union. That's right. Because it's a constitutional uh, uh, right. uh, Unless command. they change their state constitutions. If they change their state constitution, then they're violating the U.S. Constitution because they're required to have a state, uh, a state militia so that the Congress can yeah, pull them forward. So what you're going to end up with is this confusion thing like the 16th Amendment for income tax doesn't really uh, create any new taxes or anything else. It's completely bogus. No. It's never properly yeah. ratified, et cetera. Uh, so uh, what you're not, if you're not very careful, you're going to end up with that kind of a scenario where mm, the old stuff's on the books. We reject the new stuff they put on the books, and it conflicts, and they don't have authority. So now what do we start doing, arresting legislative bodies with the militia? So that's the well, reason. Well, you don't have one so yet to do that. 
I understand. And, and you can't get one without a legislative body to enable one or reenact it again, right? Right. So there is the crux of the issue. So we believe at the CSPOA, and, and, I, and I summarize this because we're about out of time, but uh, is that there are other ways we can go about this right now. Eventually, can militias come in and, and be a valuable uh, addition to the proper role of government? Absolutely. Do governments have origins in the founding era of our nation and relevance today? Without question. However, we believe that if we can get sheriff's posses built and coordinate with the chief executive officer in a given county, uh, we can literally create uh, a mirroring of the people locally, organized, armed, and trained to help the sheriff defend rights for citizens. And, and so that's just the approach we take, whether it's the Democrat way, the Republican way, the Libertarian way, my way, your way. That's the way the CSPOA has chosen to move forward uh, with this, because what you're saying has legitimacy, every bit of it. But there are sticky points that make it very difficult for people to come along. When you start saying the, sh the militia commander's in charge of everybody, including the governor and the sheriff, and he can just start arresting people, if you're not very careful, you've got a shadow government um, that they will claim is an insurrection. Even if you're spot on on the points, uh, it goes off the rails in terms of modern-day application and understanding. So that's why we live in the real, and we teach to the ideal. Ideally, the, the uh, militias have an absolute proper role in America, without a doubt. And we're not afraid to admit that or, or double down and highlight that. If you put together a legislative effort in a given state to reenact the militia, uh, will you get support from Sam Bushman as a syndicated talk show host? Absolutely. Will the CSPOA back the play? Probably not, because they're working with sheriffs for a similar solution, uh, which we believe to be a lot less cloudy and confusing. Uh, uh, in the end of the day. One second. In the, go ahead. Yo, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, in the end of the day, um, you know what? We're all doing our very best to bring America back to its roots, to restore the republic. Uh, by the way, restorerepublic.org if you want to read more of Nick's writings. I'm not avoiding that either. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ways we can go to move the needle towards liberty. Really, it's a battle between liberty and tyranny. And what are the best ways to move the needle in whichever direction you want? Well, we believe the CSPOA and working with sheriffs is one of the greatest solutions uh, that we can find. Why? Well, Sheriff Mack went all the way to the Supreme Court and won, and Bill Clinton got shut down. And uh, Sheriff Mack defended our God-given rights of self-defense, the Second Amendment. That's the very issue. He went to the Supreme Court and won. Now we have the greatest Tenth Amendment decision ever rendered available to us to use, uh, if we will. But again, it's only valuable if the people understand it and use it. Otherwise, it's just a piece of paper. And I maintain that's true with the proper role of government as well. And so uh, what you're saying has legitimacy. But to answer your questions of the email, we have no hesitation to discuss this, no hesitation to back the proper plays in militias, but I've articulated our reasonings to be very cautious indeed on this front, because if you're not very careful, it goes all wrong. You've got the Southern Poverty Law Center now saying there's you know 300-plus-something militias in America that are all off the rails. Uh, so, again, it's been perverted to the point of, of almost the third rail of untouchability. Uh, that doesn't mean we'll shy away from it. It just means that we've got to be very careful how we interact with it uh, and make sure that it stays productive. You bring up uh, a, a legitimacy to militias that most of the current militias today that are unorganized, uh, and I highlighted this with the Bundy examples, um, you know what? They claim that you're wrong and that they already have a right to a militia and they don't need any permission from anybody. So, again, there becomes the minutia. There becomes the, the disconnect and the discussion it becomes very hot and very Confucius from that point forward. We choose to say there's a better, simpler way to go about this for now. And as we train the people and as we work towards local control and autonomy, as opposed to federal mandates and dictates, that's where we can gain the ground. The final word's yours, Nick. 
Okay, I just wanted to uh, point out that uh, for my state, I wrote a uh, preamble to a bill to revitalize the uh, uh, the, the militia. I'm going to send it to you, Sam. Uh, it's just a preamble. It out, outlines, and it starts out with the uh, state legislature swearing to, we are going to uphold our oath of office, and the oath of office requires this. Uh, anyone who doesn't want to, essentially anyone who doesn't want to uphold their oath of office, then you're in trouble. But <laughs> uh, no, uh, again, you know, as as you pointed out, there's confusion in this. But to me, it, there is no confusion. It's propaganda that has led us to this point. And one of the, uh, well, two of the organizations that are uh, deeply guilty of this are the NRA and GOA. Uh, because within their structure, they have enough people to really turn this around already. They have, what, five, six, between the two of them, five, six million people? If Congress got five, six million letters, the states got five, six million letters saying, this is the law of the union. You act on it or we're going to do everything we can to get you out of office. How fast would that change? Would it be as, as as slow as a snail? Would it be having to depend on on people who uh, uh, sheriffs who are in states where uh, where they've been uh, made impotent uh, on uh, sheriffs that could care less? They're just political hacks. No, I I don't think so. I I think the ultimate way to go about this is you know uh, unfortunately as you pointed out this this is is the real a lot of people don't want to be bothered with 90 percent of the population you're is, right about that we're flat out of time nick i appreciate okay. your time sir and hopefully we've been, we've been fair and open and appropriate to discuss this in meaningful ways sir absolutely all right well there you go ladies and gentlemen nick Destacho, doing a great job uh, RestoreTheRepublic.org, if you want to check out his articles and learn more about his writings and what he's proposing and doing, you can jump in and get a hold of Nick and get involved in the cause and help make militias happen in your state. Again, I, I don't have any problem with militias. I think they have a proper role in limited government, no doubt about it. Why they've fallen out of favor and how we can bring it back is a very complicated proposition, which I'm in support of. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Thanks, Nick.